0: Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your
1: host, Dave Gerber. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots, and I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program, here on Voice of America's Business Channel. We have a great show lined up today, and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we will dive headfirst into this seemingly endless, all-encompassing, unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. Want to quantify how costly these conflicts are for your business? Go to ConflictCalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions, from consulting to coaching, training and facilitation, to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life So that corporate boards and executives leaders and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider how do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper we have to look at the digital world simplify the conversation and all be a part of the discussion so i'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts let's hear what they want us to know in a way we can understand we often don't pay attention because it becomes super technical and can even make our brain hurt, AI, AR, VR, all of it, and it's all crashing into us at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program is all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. Let's get it started. So today we're going to be talking about the impact of the digital revolution on human resources. And in many ways, the gatekeepers of both internal and external processes of the organization's number one asset, people. So it's exciting to look at this subject because I think it impacts everyone working within an organization. And I'm happy to now introduce and share some quick background on our featured guest today, Enrique Rubio. Enrique is an HR and tech evangelist and founder of Hacking HR Forum. He was the CEO at Management Consultants, a firm specializing in human resources. He currently works as an advisor for the CHRO at the Inter-American Development Bank. He's also the co-founder of Cotopaxi, an artificial artificial intelligence-based recruitment platform focused on Latin America and the Caribbean. Welcome to Preparing for Robots, Enrique. How are you, sir? I am doing well, Dave. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. It's, It's great for you to be here. And as you know, we're here to simplify and talk about the impact of this digital revolution on humans. So, in this case, with human resources, are you ready to jump right in for us? I am totally ready. All right, awesome. So, what makes this subject uh, important for executives and HR leaders and professionals to begin engaging on now?
2: I think HR has been sort of in the background for too long, right? And HR, the original design was to deal with, you know, people working in, uh, in any organization But being in the background means that it wasn't exposed to all these trends or all innovation and all the things that that were happening in the rest of the business areas for any organization. So if you look at uh, what's happening right now, many, you know, in the world in general, in the business world, many companies are putting HR in the eye of the hurricane today. And the reason why that's happening is because all these other areas of the business have moved so fast and are trying to adapt and are trying to stay ahead of the curve. But HR traditionally has been, So, you know, like I said before in the background, so the question for us today is, how do we uh, create a a better HR? How do we unleash the full potential that HR may have that hasn't been unleashed, you know, over the past few years? But how can we do that now? How can we leverage on technology to do that? And that's a very critical question because the role of HR, uh, you know, there are so many things going on out there today you know, with the Me Too movement, with, you know, technology impacting uh, the way we operate and the nature of work that we're doing, with all this talk of how many jobs will be replaced by technology and, and every every other job being, uh, you know, transformed by technology. So HR and the role of HR is becoming more important than it's ever been. My take on it, though, is that even though the concept of working with people, the, the concept of uh, human resources as a function is more important than ever what's not important anymore is the way we've been operating for you know throughout our history so what I'm saying is that even though you know the work with people helping our companies helping helping our people remain relevant is as as important today as it's ever been you know in the past or more important than it's ever been in the past the work of HR needs to be transformed HR needs to be disrupted HR needs to be hacked you know, that's why I call this uh, event that I put together Hacking HR, because the way we've been operating hasn't delivered the kind of value that business leaders and people within their companies are looking for. So I think the direction in which HR is going to be going over the next few years is, is going to be, uh, you know, uh, changing perhaps a lot um, just because the world is changing extremely fast. And technology will be one of the key elements in all the conversations that we're going to have in the few years to come. And actually, I have four core elements of, the, of this, or of what I call the new value proposition for HR. And these are not necessarily new elements, by the way. I mean, they've been around for a while, but we haven't put them together and we need to put them together now. Number one is how do we focus more on people? How do we put our people first? And when you hear about the concept of design thinking, for example, being used in HR, that's precisely putting people first. The second concept, which is a a demand from the business, is how do we align HR practices with business goals? So, right now, a lot of people ask, how do we make sure that we get the resources that we get the attention that we get the money whatever it is that we need to transform our HR function well the first thing that you have to look at is how do we connect what we're doing with you know with business goals with business outcomes otherwise we won't be able to show the ROI the third element in this four element um, uh, new value proposition is how do we become more agile an agile function and this is very critical all our HR processes, I wouldn't say all I'm sorry you know I don't want to generalize but a lot of our HR processes are not only outdated but the way they were designed uh, they were trying to make people fit into what the processes was expecting from people to do now we have to do things in the other way around we have to see how our people operate we have to see how our our people are working in order to design agile systems and agile processes that respond to people's needs and not the other way around. Not people responding to the processes because then we are forcing them into a box and that box may not make sense for them. And then the fourth element of course is technology. How do we leverage all these processes on technology, not making technology the center of everything that we do because that is people, but using technology to maximize the, or augment so to speak, uh, the capacities that we have to better serve our people and our companies. So that's a little bit of the direction where I think HR is going today.
1: That's that's fantastic. I think it's great context uh, and a great way to jump into this subject. You know, you talked about the eye of the hurricane. I love that expression that you used. It really is what's happening. And so for HR, in many ways, you're in the eye of the hurricane. And then on top of it, you have all these other pieces of technology and digital that are all crashing in at the same time. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, you know, lacking in many ways some of the business acumen and some of the, and, and then you moved it into tying into sort of business goals. You know, one of the things from my perspective as a conflict expert, you know, we talk about conflict is defined as a disagreement about the end result or how we're going to get there. And I think that in this case, we're going to find a lot of conflict that's going to surface on the, how do we get there? Mm -hmm. You know, we can all probably band together and and say, hey, look, we're going to use these, we're going to, we're going to, we have these end goals. And then everybody's going to come in and have their opinion about how we're going to get there. And right when that Mm -hmm. starts to happen is right where you have conflict is right where you have dollars and cents. You know, as I like to say, zeros and commas get added to the number, more people get brought in. And and this becomes a real issue, you know. So, so what I would ask you then is, what are some of the challenges, more specifically, that you feel HR leaders are facing right now with this issue?
2: That is a fantastic question, and I want to connect that. Uh, or before jumping into that, uh, uh, into the answer for that question, you're saying something that is really, really interesting. You know, all these things that are happening right now in what we call the new world of work or the future of work is crashing into the reality of the company at a very high pace. But now if your listeners think that this is ever in the future going to get easier, the answer is no, it won't get easier. The pace of innovation will only increase. The pace of technology advancement and progress will only increase. So if we think that what's happening today is the pace of what's happening today is chaotic, turbulent, and it's extremely fast for us to be able to catch up, Imagine what's going to be happening in the next five or 10
1: years. Um, And and I will tell you, you know, from the conflict side, everybody talks about the subject of change, but what's more stressful oftentimes than change is transition. And what we're talking about is we're talking about being in a constant state of transition. It's sort of never going away. So we're going to have to really deal with and, and really secure our own skills and the skills of, you know, leaders need to do this for their people is how to deal with ambiguity, you know, yeah. how, to, how to be a creative thinker, how to, how to fall in love with learning and not be intimidated by having to learn something new because it wasn't what you did before. The yeah. alternative isn't going to be good. There's going to be a lot of people lining up for that same job. So yeah. we, have to, we have to get good at this. This is fantastic. Yeah. What, what, else, yeah. what, are the, what else do you think?
2: Yeah, well, you know, some of the challenges that I've seen out there are, of course, using technology uh, to augment the capacities that we have in HR. And building the knowledge and the business acumen, like you said before, to not only understand what's happening, but also to, uh, you know, stay what we call staying ahead of the curve, you know, or, or adding value for HR using technology. But to do that, we first need to understand what's happening out there. And I feel, and I, I've observed, especially with all the events that I'm doing outside, uh, like out there in many, many different cities, I've observed how people in HR don't really or don't fully understand the, the complexity of the new world we're living in. For example, when we talk about one of the most transformative and revolutionary technologies in our history, artificial intelligence, the impact that artificial intelligence will have in every, every single business area, including HR, is just dramatic. And the fact that we're talking about 50% of the U.S. jobs being replaced by technology over the next 25 years and uh, from 375 million to 800 million jobs being replaced by technology worldwide over the next 10 years, that is extremely dramatic. So if we don't understand the reality of the world, the reality of the new world of work that we are immersed into right now, we won't be able to operate because we cannot operate in isolation. Right, it's not just understanding, and this is critical here. In the past, companies used to thrive in understanding their markets and operating within their own industries or mark- markets, but that's not that's not uh, um, perhaps valid anymore. Because right now, you have companies entering into markets where they didn't they, they, they weren't in those markets before. Just take an example of you know uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods. You know now Amazon and uh, Berkshire uh, Hathaway, you know, getting into the healthcare. Uh, System, Google buying car companies. So you, uh, in HR, not only do you need to understand your own business, but you you need to understand what's happening outside of your business in order to be ready for all these changes that are happening out there. So you, number one, number one challenge is understanding what's happening in the context of your company, in the context of your industry, and across the board as well. You know, like horizontal uh, view of all the things that are happening. So number one, number two is understanding at least the basics of technology and this is critical here because i am not asking hr professionals to become experts in artificial intelligence i am not asking them to become experts on blockchain or data analytics i am asking them to understand what these things are about and if they don't know what what those things are about and if they cannot understand or they have difficulties to implement some of these solutions bring people on board who know how to do it this is critical because in hr I feel that for um, uh, for many many years we've sort of uh, created a shell, so to speak around us. you know we, we've gotten into a little into a little shelter, so to speak and you know we remain there surrounding ourselves you know just with people that think very much along the lines of what we think about and we haven't really in- integrated a lot of people from other, other business areas. Right now is the time when we in HR need to bring people from IT, we need to bring people from finance, from law, from accounting, from marketing, from marketing. We need to bring people from marketing to HR So because we need to build a comprehensive HR function. It's not anymore about forcing people into the box that is a process or a system. It is now a very comprehensive approach of how do we deliver the best experience to our people, putting people first, how do we align our Our HR practices with what the business business outcomes. How do we make ourselves more agile, and how do we use technology to make all that happen? So, understanding the context, understanding how technology works, uh, and and how you can take advantage of it are perhaps two of the main challenges that I think are um, critical for HR. Let me. I I, want to give you. I know you have a question there. Okay, good. Want to give you one example of that. Um, By the next in the next ten years. It is expected that more than 50% of the American workforce will be freelancing. They won't, not all of them will be freelancing, just fully freelancing, but they will be freelancing. So they, some of them may have their full time jobs, and some others will have full time jobs plus freelancing. So imagine what this means. This is what is called the contingent workforce. Imagine what this means for companies that are used to dealing with policy and labor relations that are just Mm. for their full-time employees. Imagine what this means for the 401k Mm -hmm. pension plans. Imagine what this means for the benefit design, for the compensation design. Are we even talking about that in our companies? And the answer is no. But this is going to happen. Whether we're it or not in HR, this is going to happen. By the year 2027, more than 50% of the American workforce will be freelancing. And they will be doing it because they like it. Not just because they need it anymore, but because yeah. they like it. we got to be talking about these things. That, that's what I mean when I, when, when I said understanding the context in which our companies are living today.
1: Yeah, this is fascinating. And one of the things that you hit on is this, what I call fluency. And one of the criticisms of the HR community from C-Suite and other is that they didn't have the business acumen, the the vocabulary, the language of business, which is similar to what I argue with my conflict management work, which is we need to have a conflict fluency. We need to have words and tools and models that are independent of personality or race or background. And and similarly, now here we are, HR faced with a third one, right, which is they need fluency around the digital transformation. Yep. Because yeah. if we can't talk about it, right? Then we can't prepare for it. We can't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I'm excited that you're here. I think this is fascinating. Uh, it's time for us to take a break and hear the important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to look at the human impact and the human resources and, and look at how human resources can make and have an impact on culture as this digital world becomes more ever-present. We're going to look at how companies can think about creating a purpose-driven work culture that's attractive to job seekers. And later on, we're going to get to talent retention and consider the large impact HR has on business and organizational leadership decisions. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com,
4: DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started?
0: Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the Conflict Calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com.
5: America business Channel.
4: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Preparing
0: for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We're here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest Enrique Rubio, and we're going to jump back in and, and talk about this subject. But before we do, you know, we were talking during the break about this concept of, of uh, truth, and I see myself as a, as a as somebody who's searching for truth. But I once heard an expression that was truth is like poetry and most people don't like poetry. And so, (laughs) you know, I think it's really interesting. Now there's going to always be that one person says, well, I like it. And they say, well, when was the last time you checked the haiku poem out? You know, I think you're probably not telling the truth, you know, truth hurts. And I think sometimes that can impact us. I know Enrique, you have some thoughts on truth when it comes to this subject, right?
2: Yeah. and, And it is just the fact that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't own the truth anymore. Um, you know, there are, there are certain principles that have remained sort of timeless, you know, throughout history, and, you know, respect for life, maybe, you know, for, for us, and, and um, you know, more so in our recent times, you know, diversity and inclusion, uh, but there, there are some things, especially when it comes to processes uh, that apply to people, that we thought they were the truth. Uh, or or the final truth, you know, uh, 20, 40, 50 years ago, and they are not true anymore. One of them is performance management. Oh, my goodness, the dreaded process of performance management where where people have to be measured against some goals, and those goals are set up every year, and then you get a rating for whether you did well or not. That approach that worked, uh, you know, 40 or 50 years ago when the work that we were doing was... Sort of same thing day in and day out, and you were supposed to be doing the same thing day in and day out. And nobody wanted a standard deviation of your work; they wanted you to be very precise. That concept doesn't apply anymore because right now they are asking you, "Hey, Dave, you got to fail because if you don't fail, that means that you're not doing anything new." Imagine in somebody's head, uh, especially people who have lived through these perhaps two concepts. You know, maybe you know mm-hmm. baby boomers or Generation X. Uh, people have they were told 40 or fifty years ago, "You cannot make mistakes because we're going to punish you." And now they are told you're going to fail because that means that you are going in the right way and that you are innovating. So this is a really
1: big issue because when we talk about creating high performance teams, or I like to say growing high performance teams, accountability has to be shared. And when we talk about and and if we're going to point the finger, you know, many people have been on those teams before where the leaders or someone says, all right, we're all in this together. Let's take some risks and go. And then someone does and it doesn't work out. And they're all pointing the finger and saying, well, it wasn't me. You know, yeah. we live in a very, particularly in the HR community, we live in a very CYA, you know, cover your backside kind of a, 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 a approach and an atmosphere, yeah. and 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 even sometimes more sensitivity to those things because that's yeah. the very nature of the work. You know, yeah. so so so. Let me ask you. You speak about how companies need to treat employees as customers. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just and I just want to give you an example of that. Um,
2: you know, for most people in the world right now, they have the opportunity to do things that they didn't have, uh, you know, just 10 or 15 years ago. Just the fact that we have a smartphone and from our from our smartphone, smartphones, we can basically get a taxi, whatever we are in the world, you know, one click and there we are. You know, we get our Uber, Lyft, via whatever it is. And now you can buy anything from whatever in the world, uh, whenever you want, by clicking one thing on Amazon or Jet or whatever thing you're using. So we have become the center of attention of many companies that are fighting for our attention. They are fighting to get us. They are fighting for us to be theirs. But to do that, they have to cater to the way we behave, to the way we operate, to the things we want. So our, the world that we have today is a world where Extreme personalized services are being offered to people. And one example, another example of that is Spotify. In Spotify, you listen to ten or fifteen songs, and after that, Spotify knows what you like. Mm-hmm. I, I like music from I like music from the '70s, and Spotify knows that I like music from the '70s. It's always recommending me music from the '70s. So, if we have that world outside, why is it that when our employees that are customers from another companies, but they come to our company, they come in our you know, four walls and they, they are treated as you know, a, as a resource, they are treated as um, you know, something that needs to be fit into a, into a one size fits all kind of solution and we are not designing uh, you know, our processes, our systems, our solutions for them. So what I'm saying is that we are customers of other companies. And they are providing very personalized solutions to what we want. So when we come to our companies, we expect from our companies to behave the same way. And if Mm -hmm. they don't do it, just because right now we are in a candidate-driven market, what we do is we say, you know what, Dave, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to go to this other company that is offering me Not necessarily more money, but they're offering me better opportunities for me to find my purpose, to find meaning, to be happy, to enjoy life, and enjoy the work that I'm doing as well. So why cannot we do that? What is preventing us from doing that? So the question for our HR listeners is, what do you know about your people? That is the first question. What do you know about your people? Do you know what motivates them? Do you know what they need? Do you know what their concerns are? Do you know what their anxieties, what they're anxious about, I'm sorry. Uh, Do you know uh, what's important for them? If we don't have the answers to those questions, then we're making a mistake because out there, there are companies that are trying to resolve those questions. They are looking at my data and they are seeing Enrique is happy when he's listening to music from the 70s and running in the mountains. That's what makes me happy actually. And that is true. So they are catering all their campaigns and all their ads and all their things for somebody like me who likes music from the 70s and running in the mountains. So why cannot we do that in our companies? Why cannot we have a a compensation or benefit program that caters to a guy that likes running in the mountains? We can do that. So we have to consider that our employees are our customers and we have to treat them as as, as that.
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think the other thing is we have to treat employees as the same people they were when they leave us. So they don't always they go home to the this all started with the remote control, right? I mean the, the, the TV remote control changed everything. Now I my attention span, it changed how my ability to, to move things and to go to different stuff different topics. And now we have so many, and I know HR deals with this. we have digital distractions, you've got mm-hmm. YouTube, you've got yeah. all these things that are sucking people's attention. And at the same time, people are essentially customizing their own life and they're yeah. finding the usage of these things. And so one of the issues not to get on a tangent that I is very important to me is school. And you know we have to shift the way that we're educating. Uh, our students because we just like we don't have HR 40 50 years ago we don't have the same business place and we don't have the same schools and so we have to be setting people up to come out the other thing you talked about is uh, this uh, what I call like I mentioned it earlier is currency you know everybody has their own currency you know in the world of conflict management we have to look and see what's really a driver what's a motivator what's actually getting people to follow through to spend their discretionary energy and their time you know, on the, on the projects that are at hand. So this is, this is a really big, a big component, uh, and making sure that as we're doing that, we're understanding that we're effectively, we're building trust. We're we're building trust. One, we're building trust before they even get hired. If this is a hire, a new employee, we're building trust while they're there. And we're building trust to keep them there. And it's all happening by being a little bit more, uh, as you said earlier agile in our approach to how we're going to see the motivation of the next level of employees and what i call the millennial effect yeah. uh, both for good or bad is you know what millennials want is now starting to be desired by other people yeah. and it's like it's like okay well you know i want that work life balance i know i'm 55 or whatever yeah. but you know what that actually looks kind of attractive so i'd like yeah. some of that and so i yeah. think those issues are huge what do you think
2: yeah. oh i think that is Extremely important and critical. I actually, I recently wrote an article on on my LinkedIn uh, profile, and basically, what I was explaining is how companies from the present are not ready for the future, and they are not even being redesigned or, re, you know, they are not rethinking about the process for the future. And one example of that is, and this is true for school, you know, not going on the tangent like you did uh, or like you said before, but you know, this is true for schools and for corporations, companies as well. They are used to a kind of life that was designed in three very segmented uh, uh, eras in your life. One of them was, you know, you you go to school, then, um, then you work, and then you retire. And each of those discrete times in your life are not discrete times anymore because we are in a swirl of all these things mixed together. So what I'm saying is you go to school and you're working at the same time. And then you take 10 years before doing a master's degree or five years, if you want to do a master's degree at all. Then you go to work and then you say goodbye to work because I'm gonna go back to school to do something else. I want to switch my careers. Oh, but in between, I want to take a sabbatical because I want to go to explore the Himalayas before, you know, the glaciers melt, you know, so. It's
5: very
1: compartmentalized. It's, it's now almost some, it's almost like somebody it's just been around for so long and the, and the work ethic and the grind has been there for so long. It was so long, but there was no technology to bridge that gap. And that's one of the things that I try, and I talk to my daughter, who's really bright and, and has a lot of potential. And I see, and I sort of feel as a father, I feel like my responsibility amongst a lot of things, but one of them now that wasn't there for my father was to teach you how to make money from just who you are and what your experiences are. You, yeah. know, how, you know, she's starting a babysitting business. She's played instruments. You yeah. know, she, she's written books with me on self-defense. You know, how do you turn some of those experiences, which other people really want to know about and be a part of and learn yeah. from, how do you monetize those? So you don't have to wait until you're 18 years old and graduate high school to go build a website or you don't yeah. have to do those things. And so if we start to encourage that kind of a thinking, when they get to the workplace, they're already going to be more agile and more ready to, to move to whatever is needed Whatever new information is need to be learned, yeah,
2: right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm talking about that. Actually, I, one thing that I may suggest: this has to do, but also not doesn't have to do at all, like too too closely with HR. But if your if your audience is curious, there are um, there are a couple of things that I that I want to suggest. Number one is looking at Einstein's uh, biography. Uh, Einstein's, Einstein's biography is fascinating because the way he saw school, he saw school as a killer of creativity and curiosity, uh, because you know, basically what you were doing is coming to a school that wanted you to fit in a box. And that's what happened, That's what's happening in organizations today. They want, they don't want you to be you. They want you to be what they want you to be. So when you come to work, you are not living your human experience. You are living the work and the kind of life that they want you to live. And that's preventing you and the company from unleashing their full potential. And this is true for HR as well. And the other thing, there's this book uh, by Sir, Sir Kerr, Robinson, fascinating book called Finding Your Element, and it's about how we unleash curiosity and creativity from our people. And the, the way to do it is don't don't force them into doing something or being something that they are not. And this is critical for HR. And it is critical for HR because in the next few years to come, those who are going to remain relevant are the ones who are able to be, to be curious, to be critical thinkers. To be creative, to be innovative. They, um, Michael Dell, the CEO of Dell Company, he was asked in 2015, "What is the most important trait for the CEOs of the future?" And he didn't hesitate. He said, "Curiosity." Because if you're if you're not curious, then you won't be asking the right questions. You will be just doing what everybody else is doing, or you will be just replicating knowledge that already exists. And by the time you replicate it, it might be already obsolete. So you gotta be curious. So HR needs to work in redesigning the way we work, the way we go, the way we live at work or, you know, combine our life with work in order for us to be able to be ourselves. And technology can do a lot to help us in this process a lot.
1: Which is really interesting because this whole concept of curiosity is really not a place that HR is supposed to be in fundamentally. I mean, Mm -hmm. HR is supposed to be pretty clear about what we can do and what we can't do. So when we, so particularly now when we talk about curiosity and leadership, and maybe in this case, we're talking about how C-suite works with and integrates the, the leader of HR, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about um, some some challenges here in terms of the deep-rooted cultural, uh, yeah. educational stuff. And that's going to take what I would call it funded curiosity, right? Yeah. Because, you know, curiosity to me also implies we're going to make mistakes. And we referenced this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we're going to make mistakes, we have to have money to make mistakes. It's kind of like one of my friends says, if you have a garden, you don't plant if you don't plan enough for the birds and the insects and the weather, then you're not farming, you know? Yeah. So, so we have to have enough resources and identify what I would call lost leaders of curiosity, right? We have to say, we're going to put these resources to it because it's fundamentally important. What do you yeah. think?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we are, we, the, the the world economic forum is calling this time that we're living in right now, the fourth in Industrial Revolution. There's a very interesting book by Thomas Kuhn, uh, an American philosopher, by the way, and scientist. I, you know, very much. uh, I appreciate him a lot. Um, um, He wrote a book called *The Structure of Scientific Revolutions*, and basically, what he said was, when the things that you have in place cannot explain the reality anymore, there's a crisis. And mm-hmm. when, that, when a crisis happens, a revolution happens because new knowledge is, is going to be created out of that crisis. And then you're going to have a new normal that will take a while to be disrupted again. That's what is happening today. When you say that, you know, we are used in our workplaces to not make mistakes because we are punished, to not be curious or creative because we are we are hired to do one thing and that's the one thing that we have to do and we have to do it well, the world behaves very differently today. So I've... I've I've been saying for quite a while now that our world, our structures, the way we think in HR, but the way we think in our organizations is in crisis right now because we are trying to explain this new world of work with the old dogmas that are obsolete. You know, we're trying to tell people, you got to innovate, but we don't let them be curious. We we tell them, you got to come up with new ideas, but we don't let them make make mistakes. We tell them, you got to be efficient, but we are spending resources on things that we don't have to spend resources. So we are trying to explain a world that is new. Behaves very differently with all thinking, all structures, and we cannot do that. And you said it yourself about the generations working together. The, the millennial effect has created a massive, perhaps, mindset transformation. Because those that are not millennials, they now want what millennials have pushed forward. For example, this thing of work-life integration or work-life balance. So in the past, you used to work forty years straight and then retire. Now people that are, you know, from the from previous generations, the millennials, the ex and the, and the baby boomers, they wanna take their, their sabbaticals as they are working. You know, look mm-hmm. at the movie, The Intern, this guy, you know, with uh, Robert De Niro, this guy wanted to come back to work and he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm 65 years old, I retired, but I wanna go back to work, so I wanna be an intern. He started over his mm-hmm. career. So we cannot explain those that reality with the same structures that we had that we've had in place for so many years. So one thing here for HR people to consider is how do I let those old things go? And how do I look at the things and start anew? I start my thinking from, from scratch, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you know, in sort of summary with what you just said, I would almost call this like the new digital paradox. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's we've got this boxed in thinking that doesn't allow us, right, to do what we need to do. And we're judging everything back by an old filter. Yeah, uh, yeah, we are. That can be dangerous. So, look, it's time for us to take a quick break to hear the important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to look at a few questions, including what does HR need to be thinking about now with respect to the digital revolution? And on the flip side, with the future of work, what do you think job seekers should do to be ready for the next 10 years or more? I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice of America Business Channel.
3: Learn more about
0: Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and premarriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and
4: PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune into The Career Confidant with Marie Ziminoff. Synergy development and training
0: helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the Conflict Calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to
5: questions at SynergyDT.com. America business Channel.
4: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at synergydt.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back. Great to have you with us for more. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We're here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Enrique Rubio. And, you know, I have a I have this thought, and I want to share this and find out what Enrique thinks, and that is, you know, we're seeing, when, we, when it comes to hiring, and we can talk about talent and retention here to follow, but when it comes to hiring, I have this theory that, we have to be really careful about how we allow technology to filter through our candidates. I have this feeling that there are going to be a lot of really qualified people who bring a holistic approach to their subject matter and may not get actually even make the first cut because, for instance, they only have six of nine qualities that are required on LinkedIn or some other tech spec, you know. So what are your thoughts about how ai and how tech is going to influence hiring and are we can we possibly miss out on some good people that is a fantastic question because actually
2: one of the cases the of, of most used of uh, artificial intelligence today in hr is in recruitment and, and yes there are there are challenges but challenges that have existed also you know in the past as well because you know humans when when you get one position, and you have two hundred uh, candidates per position. Then you want to focus on the top ten or the top twenty percent, and those are the ones you know that have the qualifications for that position. And you also want to measure whether they have a cultural fit with the organization or not. So what what happens is that it's still in the in the past approach or in the old approach, HR had to go through all the two hundred resumes or the two hundred uh, job applications packages and see which you know who was a good fitter and not technology. Uh, and artificial inter- intelligence today, what they are allowing you to do is focus more on the top 20, top 10% of the funnel and sort of filtering out some of those candidates that don't have the qualification that you need. So now one of the challenges that I see is, um, for example, what if those machines that are doing this work are programmed only by men? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying this, I'm not just saying this out of the blue. I no, expect- you're just talking
1: about bias, you know, what is the bias? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'm gotcha.
2: saying it, and I'm saying it because I've lived already the experience finding trying to find speakers, female speakers to talk about artificial intelligence in recruitment. So I did a research on three three hundred uh, people working on artificial intelligence for recruitment, and I found that only thirty of them were women, ten percent. So imagine if those machines are programmed mostly by men. I'm not yeah. saying that we're we're gonna do it wrong because we we or possibly we do it wrong i'm just saying that we have our biases sure. and we use words that are um, uh, and terms that perhaps are appealing to a man but may not be appealing to a woman or to anybody from any sexual orientation or race or ethnicity and whatnot so how do we manage that mm-hmm. uh, so we got to make sure that we understand the limitations of technology as well technology can really really help us augment our capacities as as HR professionals and as human beings, but we must be aware of the limitations, of the challenges, and of the ethical implications that all of these things have.
1: So now, that's a great that's a great thing for uh-huh. for leaders and HR um, directors and and presidents to be thinking about with respect to how they're dis- making decisions on the software that their organization is going to use. Absolutely. And, and looking Absolutely. at some, and that may not be, you know, those biases may, in fact, those may be new thoughts for people today. That may not be the sort of variables that people have been looking at where they've been purchasing this type of uh, equipment um, and, and technology in the past. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Because, r-
2: because right now, basically what you're doing when you use artificial intelligence for recruitment is that you are training a machine to do part of the work that you assume and did, did before as a human did before and that's what we call augmenting um, augmenting HR or augmenting your capacity. So let's say that you were spending 100% of your time reviewing 200 resumes per position and you had a number of positions only to focus on the top 10 or 20%. Now what you can do is the bottom 80% is filtered out by technology and you focus most of your time on the top 10 and 20. So now you are gaining way more time to focus on the candidates that are a real fit for the position and not on everybody else that is not a fit for the position. But what happens? here is that you're going to make sure that the technology that you're using is really proper, the right technology with the right background in order to help you filter out that 80%. That's always going to happen. You post one job, you hire one person, and you're going to filter out everybody else. Now, what technology is doing for you is helping you do that filtering process, but you're going to make sure that the technology for you is right. And to me, the fact that we need to be aware of gender uh, diversity, inclusion issues is fundamental in this conversation about technology. I don't want just men doing programming, artificial intelligence machine. Neither do I want just women doing that. I want diverse group, groups of people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, races, you know, uh, uh, gender, whatnot, doing this process together because that's when we are really going to take advantage of technology
1: so so that's great so that's a that's a great insight and a set of insights around the this idea around hiring now that we've got them now that they're working for our organization let's talk about tech with respect to retention yeah fantastic I
2: mean you can use technology today to do several
1: things exciting
2: from onboarding today you can use virtual reality or augmented reality to onboard your employees so if you're working if you have to work with heavy machinery that is being made in uh, India or in China, and you're here in the U.S. or vice versa. You can definitely create great onboarding experiences by using a virtual or augmented reality. So number one, but then you are on, you know, you're on board on your on your company. So now you go to a second stage, which is, well, I want to, you know, get feedback, be mentored, you know, be coached in order for me to have the right opportunities and grow within, you know, this company. So how can you use technology for that? There's technology that provides you with, um, helps your leaders and yourself to engage on real-time feedback, real-time mentoring. And that's why I thought, I said before that the performance management approach of setting goals once a year and giving you feedback once a year, that is dead, that is, that is done, it's gone. We gotta we gotta just throw that out of the window and focus on the things that right now can help us provide that feedback on a one-on-one basis, but on an ongoing a constant basis as well, and there's technology that allows you to do that, personalizing uh, services. You want to be paid, of course, uh, uh, fairly, but you also want to have a, a benefit package that really caters to you. And let me give you one example. Do you think somebody who's 20 years old, who just came out of you know law school and has a debt of $200,000, will they be thinking about their retirement plan in the next 100 years because they're going to live up to their 120? They are not thinking about that. So how do we personalize a, a compensation package that caters to them, but also caters to the ones that are 65 or 70 years old about to retire from the workforce? And we can do that via technology because technology helps us understand what they really need, what they really want, and how to design compensation packages for them. Mm-hmm. So once you think about all these things comprehensively, you may have the opportunity to say, I spent all this money in hiring you, but now I have all these um, ideas or processes or systems in place to keep you because I don't want to lose you I mean it's okay if you decide to go but I don't want to lose you I don't want to I don't want to have the systems in place that are that will force you to be you know to go find another job I want to do the best possible to keep you in this company um, and it's a little bit of all these things that I'm talking about right now and technology definitely allows you to do that it, it, it's there for
1: you yeah, and so we really, I like to talk in sort of two things. One is, you know, we're talking about uh, leaders needing to encourage themselves and HR, the heads of HR, to really sit down and identify what are the things that we're doing in our organization that robots and digital can do and that they—that digital likes to do, and yeah. let's stop doing those. And so this really even goes back to looking at job roles and responsibilities, identifying what computers are going to do and what humans are going to do, and then transitioning to how we're going to get humans into those jobs. And all the while having one of many concurrent discussions is leadership sitting down and talking about, okay, we can make all those changes, but how do we then keep that person happy who's in that new role? So we've got all those things you just mentioned with 401k, retirement, time off, four day work weeks you yeah. know, you know, working from home, you know, that whole XY model of I've got to see you uh, to know that you're being productive is, is, is gone. Uh, gone and in many, there, ways, yeah. in many ways with, you know, mm. even this technology we're using right now, you, if somebody's on it, you know that they're likely they're working and they're doing business and they're probably yeah. enjoying it more. And they're probably having a little bit of an interpersonal time. Yeah. Now, uh, depending on the age, depending on their background, those things, what you're really talking about is, is something that they need to do at the beginnings of education. And the same thing they need to do all the way into the workplace are really these individualized education plans. You yeah. know, everybody really has to have, and we still obviously need to have uh, a skeleton model for this stuff. We, we can't just be willy nilly and giving everybody no, yeah. uh, different stuff. But what I think we're talking about here, and what you're saying is we need to be a little bit more creative. We yeah. need to allow that curiosity that you talked about earlier to drive us into a space where we can, do some of the, the real difficult thinking, uh, it's difficult because we know in some ways we're talking about job losses, we're talking about job changes. Yeah. And, and I think the other piece, you know, particularly when we talk about people that need to be paying attention, are if you're making less than $40,000 a year and you're not in a human to human industry like teaching or nursing, your job is going to go away at some point. Now, it may not be two years, it may not be 10 years, but that's that's what the, the trend is showing. And so as HR leaders need to be thinking about the knowledge that it's 150 to 400% to replace somebody, instead, how do we get them to shift what they're doing and where they are and, write, and work with them, right?
2: Yeah. There's, there's, there's one thing that I've, that I've, that I've always, uh, not always, but I've been saying at least over the past couple of years, and it is that some jobs will be lost uh, to technology. They will be replaced by automation and artificial intelligence. Some jobs will be created. There are there are. Uh, there's research out there that says that more than 85% of the jobs, the new jobs that will be created by the year 2030, do not even exist today, uh, which is fantastic. You know, we have jobs today that didn't exist, you know, uh, uh, 20 years ago, and so it's just fascinating. But this is this is the truest true of all these things that we're talking about. All jobs, everything that we see today in life and work, will be or is already being transformed by technology. I mean, there's no single job that will remain the same. Your job, I mean, right now, you and I are connected via Zoom. Zoom is a new thing. I mean, it's it's been around, what, two, three years? And you have a computer, but 20 years ago, nobody had that opportunity to have a radio program via computer, you know? And you have your smartphone that didn't exist more than 10 years ago. So, you know, our world, what we do, and the way we do it, is being constantly transformed by technology. But in the past, there might have been a few uh, careers or a few uh, you know, areas, fields of knowledge that perhaps didn't get that much transformation from technology. I think that over the next few years, we're going to see every single thing transformed by technology. Law, for example, the lawyers. I mean, the paralegals. That oh, everything. All- paperwork
1: stock right now, stock traders uh, i mean every, every job factory workers yeah. i mean all of them you know Artificial
2: intelligence will be will be doing a lot of uh, will be will be having a lot of impact on this paralegal work you know so that everything in general everything yeah. so
1: yeah. yeah, no, this, no, this has been fantastic. And our focus on HR, I think, is really important for leaders uh, and business professionals in, in all industries. What we talked about is thing, is stuff we can take uh, across and have it have us go back and facilitate within our own organization, these types of discussions. Before I let you go, though, I have to ask you some lightning round questions that I like to have for some fun. I ask everybody who comes on the show. No pressure. You know, just <laughs> have some fun. All right. So uh, all right. one thing you love about technology it opens up opportunities for everybody. One thing you
2: dislike about technology? That is being monopolized by a few so far. You know, the newest things uh, are being monopolized by a few because uh, they have the resources, and I wish we could see this in more hands to create more solutions for the problems that we have in the world.
1: That's great. If you could have a robot do anything for you, <laughs> what would it be? Uh,
2: Mode alone. In my house. I mean, I get beaten by uh, mosquitoes all the time, and I hate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. So what will humans do in 30 years if jobs have disappeared and shifted?
2: I hope that we can start doing this today. I hope we can start enjoying life more. I mean, we deserve to enjoy life more. I, 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 I spend a lot of, time, of my time in the outdoors, uh, in the mountains, running, uh, climbing. And I wish we could do that more often, and everybody can do that. I mean, we have to enjoy life. I think that life life
1: is too short, life is too short, enjoy it. Yeah. And when you talk about the world of work, we're really talking about, there's no reason why, you know, you can't climb the mountain and then pull out your cell phone and make connection back and and do the work that you need to do. And I think that's going to, What I talk about this and I may, I mentioned it somewhat sometimes repetitively on this show, but you know, I think that right now self, this concept of Mm self-actualization is reserved for the wealthy. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with your basic needs, you know, yeah. you, really, you really can't get there. I think this is what our technology will do is help everyone live a better life. Let me ask you, my last question for you is if people want to learn more about you, Enrique, how, how do they do that?
2: They can go to my LinkedIn profile, Enrique Rubio. That is the main uh, point of contact. They can go to the website that uh, we have for the events, hackinghr.io. Uh, but me directly via, via LinkedIn. So it's the easiest way, Enrico Rubio, and they will find me, founder of Hacking HR. Fantastic.
1: We are all out of time this week. Hopefully, we have energized you on this Monday and for the rest of the week as well. Check this out. Dealing with workplace conflict, communication, emotional intelligence, you know, creative problem-solving, leadership, The ability to do all these things well is the future for humans, businesses, and organizational employees. If you want to talk more about it, email the program at questions at synergydt.com. Tune in next week for our show where we might look at the impact of digital on crisis management, higher education, government, or politics. We might investigate how schools are teaching with robots or how cybersecurity works, or maybe about where the next set of chatbots lurks. Wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a jump start to the rest of the week. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you. And we are out of here.
0: Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.